rambling in Havana I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Welcome, everyone, to episode 41 of the Matt Jones Podcast. It is a sort of a gloomy Thursday here in Louisville, but getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. We a little lax on the podcast in the last couple days because I had great guests, a couple great guests scheduled, and it kept getting postponed. And so uh, hopefully we'll get a couple of those next week. But uh, I don't want people to think we're not doing these. We just had some some gaps here, and then we're we're getting a couple in the can for when I'm on vacation so that there'll still be some uh, going on. The big news, of course, is Briscoe and Lee uh, making their decisions. Briscoe coming back, Lee transferring, which surprised me, I think surprised a lot of people. And so what I wanted to do today was kind of talk to a couple people about it. We'll start with Seth Greenberg. He, of course, is of ESPN, and he was... Uh, he got a little upset at me over the course of uh, the last few weeks. I couldn't really get him on the phone, and it was about a Tubby Smith tweet. So I'm going to ask him about it. He was upset that I said Tubby Smith wasn't an elite coach, and uh, it was weird. It was unlike him, but he was still nice enough to do this, and he said I had already paid my punishment, so he's going to come on, so that'll be good. And then TJ Walker of Cats Illustrated is kind of – He's like their basketball recruiting writer, but also has been following the Lee situation especially, so we'll talk to him about what he thinks about why did Marcus Lee decide to to transfer. I think that's kind of a surprise to a lot of people. I'll talk to him about that. And uh, some recruiting, plus he's all into Game of Thrones. He's doing that podcast on our Kentucky Sports Radio uh, podcast network. He's doing a podcast with Nick Roush, and I don't get Game of Thrones because I've never watched it, so I'm going to get him to tell me why people like that so much. But this edition is sponsored by touchofmodern.com. You know, now all these things are telling you about Father's Day. Well, touchofmodern.com has something for any type of father. All right, so if you're if you have somebody whose father you like you like tech gadgets, they're perfect. If you like, you know, food, they've got food on there. If you like watches, if you like tools, if you like anything fashion, touchofmodern.com has it. I download the app and then I go to the app, and you really can hit a button, and it automatically just sends stuff to you. And I get stuff all the time. I even do impulse buys because of touchofmodern.com. And right now, my listeners can get immediate access to deals at touchofmodern.com or use the website, whatever it is you're able to do. Just go to touchofmodern.com. That is, this is what it says right here. This is how life rolls in the fast lane, which I didn't realize that's how life rolls. But it rolls in the fast lane at touchofmodern.com. So with that, I guess we'll call Seth Greenberg up first and see what he's up to. All right, now we are happy to be joined on the show by one of our favorite guests, really one of our favorite guests of any type, our good friend from ESPN, Seth Greenberg. Seth, how are you, my friend? Life is wonderful. As long as I don't have you evaluating coaches, I'm good. Well, see, all right, so we'll start with that. You got mad at me. I got a text message from you. You were upset because of something I said about uh, Tubby Smith. I had said that I didn't think he – I thought he was a very good but not an elite coach, and that frustrated you. So I'll let you give your point of view on that to start. Real simple. You win the national championship, all right? Those things don't grow in trees. Uh, You build programs in tough places. That's not easy. Uh, you don't have to quantify 
greatness um, by, you know, going to the Final Four every single year. When you win at Georgia, when you win at Tulsa, when you win at Texas Tech, all right, to me, that's a great coach. Now, if you want to define it as, you know, a coach that fits an institution, uh, a coach that's going to go and recruit every single year, you know, that's definitely. But a great coach, uh, hard to find guys that can win at Texas Tech and Tulsa and Georgia the way he did. Forget about you know, the Kentucky experience uh, and not say that, you know, this guy's really at the very top of his profession. Well, maybe it's just like definitions because I would totally agree with you that he's great. Okay. I mean, like, and I mean, I think he'll eventually be in the Hall of Fame. But I guess when I'm thinking elite, I'm thinking one of the five to seven best. In the in the country, and I don't think I put him in that regard. So maybe it's just like a difference in what what we mean when we say that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, look, I I'm a big Tubby's fan. Is he the perfect coach for Kentucky and everything that goes along with it? No, Cal's the perfect coach because basically the Big Blue Nation is his drug. And That's true. He's addicted to the he's addicted to the pressure, the expectation, the challenge, uh, the passion. Uh, and everything that Kentucky basketball stands for. It's a perfect marriage. Uh, and, and that's why he's, you know, obviously been so successful. Uh, you know, again, I'm, and the, what John's been able to do is just almost mind boggling. But I, I think that, you know, again, it's a difference in how you're going to define it. And, and John is not a good coach. He's a great coach. Uh, so he has per se the total package. But I mean, you know, to me, are there certain coaches? Are there certain coaches, Seth, that are better suited? This debate always happens with Cal and Rick. Uh, are there certain coaches that are better suited to coach less talented guys, and then there are coaches who are better suited to, t- to coach "quote unquote" elite talent? Or do you just believe like a coach is a coach? Not everyone. Not everyone can coach great players. All right, but I mean, uh, you know, the whole idea of coaching coaching less talent. Um, I think that's a little bit that that's a little bit different. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm agreeing on that. Now, I, I want to ask you about the Kentucky decision that that just happened with Marcus uh, Lee and mm-hmm. Isaiah Briscoe. Let's start with Briscoe. I mean, I think he clearly made the right decision in coming back. Mm-hmm. Do you? What do you see as his future? Clearly, he needs to work on his jump shot. But do you think he has NBA ability after another year or two? Whatever. Yeah, I think the thing with Briscoe that really impressed me is that his trust in Cal. I mean, you know, he believes and trusts Cal, and he's going to buy in, and he's going to do what he has to do. And to me, that speaks volumes of the relationship that he has with his coach and the trust he has in his coach. Yeah, he knows what he has to do. Look, he can rack it, he can defend, he can rebound. He can play in the open court and get to the rim. There's no doubt about it. He'll, if he can develop a middle game, you know, and shoot the ball a little bit better, wow. I mean, and he knows that's what he has to do, so... Uh, and he'll get better because he wants to get better. He'll buy in, and he knows now instead of just Cal telling him that, he got that information from, you know, from the people, the decision makers in the NBA, which all they those guys did was tell him everything that Cal and Kenny and those guys have been telling him all season. So uh, I'm really happy. I, I'm well, both kids, not good kids, great kids. I love Briscoe. I love Lee. I've been around him enough. And both kids, great kids, and I'm, I'm excited for. Isaiah and I think man their backcourt's gonna be good next year. Do you I mean he said during the 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 draft process he did an interview with somebody where he said that 
last season he lost confidence in his jumper, that it was not great in high school, but a lot better than it was last year. And I, I sort of think that's correct. How does that happen? And as a coach, how do you get that back? Where, where a guy – I mean, he, there was a time he was the worst free throw shooter in the history of U.K. basketball. That just doesn't make sense. How do you get it back? Yeah, it happens because, you know, let's face it, it you know, you can be a volume shooter in high school and make some misses don't really mean anything. And you're just going to come up and, and jump up and shoot the next shot, and it, you know, there's no consequence to it. You're going to continue to play it. You can miss five and six in a row, but you, you're going to get on a little bit of a run, and it really is inconsequential. Uh, in college, that the level they're playing at with the margin of error and the schedule you're playing in Kentucky, uh, you know, it can happen. And uh, how, do you, how do you rectify it? When you get in the gym, you see the ball go in a bunch. Uh, he's going to have a better understanding where shots are coming from next year. He's going to have a better understanding of, of how people are going to guard him, uh, and he's going to have repetition. So he'll he'll become a better shooter, uh, but I do think you can lose confidence because let's face it, and John says it best: Kentucky's not for everyone. Yeah, I mean the scrutiny that you're under is immense, but I mean when you when you survive it, you're better off for it. And um, you know, I really believe that I will shoot the ball well. I'm not sure he's going to ever be a knockdown three point shooter, but he's going to be able to make enough shots and get the ball where he wants on the floor to, to make those middle game jumpers and racket and and get fouled and, and make free throws. So the guy's a great competitor. He's a well, I mean he's he's a world class defender. I mean just a, yeah, he is. a world class And he's defender. one of the best at finishing at the rim set. I mean he really he can like he he was great at that last year. If he gets any kind of jumper, he's gonna be tough to stop. Yeah, he he plays two contact and through contact and, and can finish, which is a really really good thing. And, uh, I, I just think he's a neat kid. I, I, I really because I thought he handled the whole situation really well last year, and, and that's not easy. That's not easy at all. Uh, so I think you know he really did a good job. And you know, then Marcus' situation is you know look, there's not a better kid than Marcus Lee, and let's face it, he helped them win the national championship. There's no doubt about it. Uh, well, and, uh, he helped them get to a that, national championship game. We they didn't to, they didn't to, win. Yeah, yeah. Get to, yeah, that's right. Yeah, get to a national. I'm sorry, get to a national championship game. But um, you know, I think sometimes you know it's the culture of the game. Actually, I was talking to Matt Painter today, and he said, "Interesting. Look, this is just part of college basketball. And if a guy's role or opportunity isn't exactly what he wants it to be, which is kind of similar to Charles, then you know, guys move on." And, uh, you know, look, Marcus, could he have played next year for sure? Would he have had a role that maybe he would really want? Probably not. Um, a year, hopefully, where he really commits himself to the weight room. And, look, I know the weight program of Kentucky is great. I know they do a great – those guys do a great job. And some guys' bodies just, you know what? It's not going to come. It, it comes with age and comes with maturity. So, so you thought you guys. thought Lee's decision – I think you said you, you, you thought it made sense – to me, he's sitting out a year. He's going to be almost 24, Seth, when it comes time for him to leave now. Yeah. That's what I don't get. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't – if he was going to go to, like, Europe or the D-League, I get it. If he wants to come back, I just don't know what sitting out that year is going to do for him. Well, hopefully he's going to get more mature. He's going to get – eventually his body will change. His metabolism will change. He'll put on some weight. He'll get stronger. He'll gain maybe uh, – uh, you know, he'll, he'll put himself in position to play – 32 minutes no matter what it goes back to the same thing it's kind of what i said about isaiah when you know you're going to play and you're going to and you're going to be able to, you know then then the game becomes easy maybe you can take a little more risks maybe you're a little more active um 
I just think it. I don't care if a guy's twenty. You know, like here's the thing: if a guy's twenty-four and can run and jump and rebound and defend ball screens and get back in plays, you know, why 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 wouldn't someone at least give him a chance? But maybe is, is some of it maybe though. And I, I love Marcus. I, I agree with everything. Marcus is one of the nicest kids that I've ever met. I, I, I love I the mean, kid. Just so pleasant. But with that said, like is some of it thinking you're better at things than you are. I mean, his thing is energy, rebounding, uh, blocking shots. And I think he thinks he's a scorer. And then at the combine, we saw that he's not. I mean, is that something yeah. that's going to well, change? And that's why, and that's why it's coming. It, it, it could change. It could change when he becomes just the focal point of an offense. Uh, and what they're doing, I mean, if he goes down a level and he gets a chance to get, you know, 20 touches, you know, every single game at a high post and a low block, and he can play through his misses and mistakes, and who knows? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, he, he's, he's been a great Kentucky player in terms of, he, look, he, he's just, he's been a great program guy. Yes. And if he thinks this is an opportunity in his best path, you know, what power to him? It's not like they're, they're going to you know, miss depth in the front court. They got great front court depth. I mean, terrific front court depth. So, have you seen many you know, of the new he, guys coming in? Have you seen seen them yeah, very much? Yeah, I've seen Bam. I mean, Bam is ridiculous. I think Humphrey's going to be terrific next year. I think that you know Gabriel is going to be you know kind of a more skilled Marcus in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a really good offensive player. Uh, so, I mean, they're going to be fine up front. I mean, they're going to be fine up front. Uh, I haven't seen the kid who redshirted this year, uh, and you guys probably have seen him. In you talk about you talk about Ty Winyard, yeah, no, very yeah, few yeah, Ty Winyard. I know he's a big body kid. I saw him work out, but I haven't seen him really. Practice. What do you think about Humphreys? You mentioned you think Humphreys will improve a lot. Him. What, what do you him. like about him? He's got good hands. He takes up space. Uh, he can make a shot. So you with those really good guards, you know, with Monk and Fox and Briscoe, you put him in ball screens, especially. Monk because he can shoot it and Fox. Um, now you put him in ball screens, they drag it, you throw it back, they're gonna make he's gonna make shots. I think on the left block he'll be fine. I think he's got good hands, so be a little bit more active in terms of rebounding on the back side. I think he's gonna be really good. I mean he's eighteen years old. Yeah. And he was coming he's, from Australia. I, I mean I mean he comes yeah, from Australia just lands and really good. all of a sudden he's at UK. The the Bam, you've seen Bam. I, I I'm like I can I'm excited about Bam. I don't think Kentucky's had a Bam dude. Bam is Cal's type of front court. Yes, he is. And we haven't had a guy like that in a long time. But you've seen him. What do you think of Bam? I think he's exactly what John wants. He's a physical, hard playing, rebounding, attacking, knows who he is. Um you know, hard to keep off the glass. Uh, doesn't go outside. He's not going to try to do things he can't do. I mean, I just think he's so perfect for what he, you know, John wants to do. I think it's, I think he's going to be really, really good for them. I mean, really good right from the beginning. He's going to have to learn the intricacies and get a little, you know, continue to understand, you know, the IQ of the game. But I think he's going to be really good. I mean, like, I think he's going to be terrific. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, now I want to ask you about a sort of a sexy question here. Your your good friend Jeff Goodman uh, raised this in an interview, and it's been the talk of Kentucky. This it has become that Cal Perry and Shashevsky have kind of, you know, they're starting to recruit against each other now a lot more than they used to. And he said uh, on an interview that they quote hate each other. Do you believe that's true? And if so, sort of, sort of, what, well, do, what do you make why, of it? It's not his fault. Well, look, Jeff, I, I'd rather not comment on what someone else says, but I mean, 
you know, to be honest with you, I mean, that's, you know, you know, has he sat down and, and talked to Cal? Because I know he hasn't. So he doesn't, obviously doesn't know exactly how Cal feels about it. That's true. Has he sat down and talked to Mike and asked Mike, he said, do you hate John Calipari? <laughs> I'm sure or he wouldn't say that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, to me, that's just some sensationalism. I mean, you know, it's it's like, and again, I understand that our you know, reporters, quote-unquote reporters, you know, although they think they're analysts, but our reporters think that they, you know, they they have to be sensationalized. Are they competitive? Uh, without a doubt. Do they knock heads? Without a doubt. I mean, they're both extremely successful. Uh, you know, they both are fighting for, you know, trying to carve out their own niche right now. Uh, and so do, do they both hate Bill Self as well? Because he's kind of in that same category. Hate's a really strong yeah, word. Yeah, hate is I mean, a strong yeah, word. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I just, you know, I think it's me, I, I wouldn't care to comment on it. All right, well, let, let me put it a different way. I don't way. think that's the right thing, to, right thing to say. Look, they're competitive. Yeah. They're going at each other. Do you, you know, like that they're kind of taking little... market. Yeah. Do you like they're taking little shots? Like they kind of, like Cal sort of made a little comment about the Rolodex of Duke, and then Duke uh, made a couple comments. Like, I like like that. Hate is strong. I agree with you. But I like that they're kind of going back and forth. The the outside people are making most of the comments, Matt, number one. And number two is, look, you got Cal who started, you know, basically, you know, basically champion the one and done, and he was a villain. And Mike gets into it, and all of a sudden he's changing with the time. So that becomes, you know, an interesting dynamic. All right, then you've got, you know, Cal basically, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the family and, and, and the Kentucky family and how the you know, kids always come back. He doesn't say they're set for life, but, he's, you know, they always come back, and you, they do. I mean, look, you see Anthony back at, at, on campus, you see John Wall back on campus, and then, you know, the situation, you know, that happened this year. But, you know, and, and, and Mike's got the USA basketball, and he's got that as his, you know, to complement his national championships and, and the success they had at Duke. And, John's got the success with the one and dones to complement the big blue nation and the success he's had at Kentucky. And the reality is in college basketball today, you need a hook. Yes. You know, and I think that they both have places with great tradition and have had great success. You know, John's has been the, the, the success his players have had in the NBA and, and Mike's hook in a lot of ways is, uh, you know, is, is USA basketball. Whether people want to admit or not, that's, that's, a, that's just another thing that he can sell when he sits in a kid's living room and can say, hey, you know, you want to play USA basketball, and basically I'm USA basketball. Whether he says it or it's assistant says it or it's, you know, people, it, that's a reality. I mean, and, and, I, and again, I don't begrudge him. He puts in the time to do it, but let's, let's not act like it's not, it's not a factor to some extent. Look, the tradition of Duke, Coach K, the Hall of Fame, all those things are speak for themselves. That's just another thing that they can use uh, to separate themselves in recruiting, which I don't begrudge anyone for doing that, but it's a reality. It's, it's not like it doesn't exist. It's not, it's not like it doesn't help. Cal Perry said, I agree totally with that. Cal Perry said, uh, he sort of said. You're starting to pay attention. You're doing better, Matt. <laughs> well, I'll let that nice shot go because you're my friend. Cal Perry said this uh, last week. He started to talk a lot more about retiring at Kentucky and what he wants to accomplish, catching UCLA, all this stuff. I, I, for the Really, for the first time in the last six or eight months, I've started to think that he will finish his career here. Do you think that's what will happen? Yeah, I really do. I, look, he's not going anywhere as long as Brad's there. 
I want to kill him. <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah. I mean, so he, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't see him go anywhere uh, at that point. And then why, why, here's the thing. Why would you, except if he just absolutely physically can't do it anymore, because the way he does it, no one else does it that way. No, they don't. In terms of, I mean, he works, everything he does has got to be, he tries to make it the best, whether it's camp, raising money. I mean, he, the guy, he's going forever. I mean, it's, he never takes a step back. And you know, how long can you do that? I mean, it's, you know, he's at the Steelers training camp. He's at Yankee Stadium. He's meeting with the Pope. He's, you know, I mean, it's like every day, he, you know, he's doing something. And no one recruits harder. And no one spends more time with their team. So, I mean, God, I do think that, you know, as important as that is, Keeping Kenny. No, that is big. Keeping Kenny is very important because Kenny um, is a great conduit for for John, and he's a great conduit for, you know for the program. Yeah, I agree with you, Kenny. He lost some of that with Orlando, and Kenny is is kind of what what does that. All right, I know you're not a big draft guy, but let me ask your your thoughts. If you had a team, and let's say you need, leave aside needs, you're just getting the guy that you think will be best. A couple questions about the draft. Would you take Simmons or would you take Ingram? i take Ingram. Uh, and look, I love Simmons and I love his vision. Ingram's development, uh, his ability to make, the NBA is about making or missing shots right now. I mean, and Ingram we know can make shots. Ingram we know can defend on the perimeter. Ingram we know has, uh, doesn't have the ball skills or vision that Simmons has. He's probably not the rebounder he has, but I, I just like Ingram's ability to make shots. I love Simmons' vision. I think with the open court, he's going to be that much better. His passing will be enhanced by 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 those rules. Uh, he'll also be able to play behind the defense and above the defense. Uh, but until you know, everyone, you know, I, I said I was the first guy to say he wasn't like LeBron that he was magic esque. But you know what? Just because Magic shot it better in, in the NBA than he did in college doesn't mean that this kid is. He's got a decent release. I understand that. Until you believe in yourself and are committed to it, which he never was this season, I would pick him. All right. Buddy Heald, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, Chris Dunn. What, how, how do you go? To, that's kind you know, of the that, next that, group. That, 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 that's an, that, some of it depends on need. I, I love Dunn. I think his impact defensively is really, really something special. Uh, I don't buy that Jamal Murray can play the point. Uh, I don't. I don't see that. I didn't like the ball in his hands when he played the point this year for Kentucky. I think you run that dude off screens. You pitch it ahead to him in transition. Um, you know. Uh, you know. I didn't think his his vision and his decision making was all that good. Um, but but uh, so I, I I would take Dunn. Uh, I would probably take because of age, probably Murray right ahead of Heel. Okay, um, but but that would be a toss up because because Heald's range is so ridiculous. Yes, me. it is. I mean, what? His range, you know, depending on the team he's with. Now, look, Jamal Jamal's great range. Jamal gets the ball, gets rid of the ball, you know, really really quickly. Uh, that would be a that would be a, a tough one, you know, very very close call on those two guys. Uh, but Heald's range is. Is unbelievable. Last question. 
again. So I didn't answer your question. Well, no, you said done, and then and then and then you go healed, uh, healed, and, and Jamal. I assume Jalen's below all three. Jalen Brown. Yeah, Jalen's below all three because he can't make shots. It goes back. He's a world class athlete. He's you know, he, you know, can he beat Draymond Green eventually? Can he be you know, a pure three? He's a physical, strong, tough, quick, hard playing athlete. Bright. Um, but I mean, you know, again, shot making is is a concern. I just think you got to make shots in the NBA right now. The way the rules now in the regular in the eighty two game regular season now in the postseason because you know, I get a kick out of this is a uh, my guy Dallas here called Freedom Moon. Look at the NBA; they really cleaned up the NBA game until the, the playoffs in, 80, <laughs> in the eighty two game regular season, and then in the playoffs, everyone loves each other. Yeah. So I mean, like, because you know what, you can't play that way for eighty-two games, but you can play that way for in in in, in the NBA Eastern and Western Finals. And don't tell me all that freedom of movement stuff in the NBA in the playoffs, because you watch this videotape and guys are mugging each other. Yeah. Last question again. Leave aside knee. You're just taking who you want for the future of your NBA team. You taking Tyler Ulis or you taking Scal? Oh, wow, that's a really, really tough one. There's, there's no one who's a bigger Tyler Hughes. I'm, I'm going to take Tyler Hughes. Okay. I mean, I'd probably be the only one that would say that. My concern with Scal is he ever going to leave on the basketball. Everyone's using the Miles Turner comparison. I think, I think Scal's going to be a good player because he'll, he'll end up, look, he's a kid. I mean, and, and you're going to put him in where people are curling and he's going to shape and he's going to knock down shots. And, you know, he's going to be a pretty good passer and eventually be a good rim protector. My biggest thing is he, is he going to ever be able to rebound the basketball. And that, that's my big concern. I just, there's something about Tyler Ewell's leadership. I don't care he's 125 pounds or whatever they say he is. I don't care about his size. Um, He's got something in him, yeah. To me, that you can't coach, you can't teach. It's just it's in him, and um, I think it translates. Now, I might be the only guy that would, you know, that would say that, but that's just me, and maybe that's because I'm you know, with you. I I, Tyler's really not really going like to fail, right? I like, like the kid, like he's not going to fail. He's not going to fail. Yeah, he's going to be. He's going to be at worst a second unit guy, and at best. Uh, Maybe Isaiah Thomas. Exactly. That's that's exactly how I look at it. So, did you enjoy the Supreme Court? I know you're in Washington. I mean, that's right down my alley. Did you enjoy I did the it? Whole, I did the whole thing. I went to the Supreme Court. My daughter was working for a congresswoman in, in, in Indiana. We did the House of Representatives. Got a picture from uh, Speaker Ryan's balcony. I mean, we did it all. I mean, I'm, I'm really cultured here. I knew you were. See? Um, and, and if I, you know, I'm... Uh, I also spent four days in Key Island, uh, but didn't play golf for my 30th anniversary. Right, now, are you like one of these? Are, like, are you at the sanctuary? Are you that level of a high yeah, roller? Yeah, sanctuary. Come Look on, at come you. on. Now. Well, you only have your 30th anniversary once. Oh, it was your 30th anniversary. I put, I put, I, I put it on your tab. <laughs> well, that's I, I. I don't even. I mean, I don't go there. Come on now, that's high rolling there. But, uh, but are you well, a affiliate? Come on, you're making real money, people. Come on. Now. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm still not drafting you. I'm still not drafting you for camp. But you make big money. Well, you know, I may have retired, so we'll have to just go on the golf course. Seth, thank you very much. You're always kind with your time, and we appreciate it. All right, Maddie. Thanks. Buddy. Thanks. All right, now we are happy to be joined on the phone by. Cats Illustrated writer slash analyst T.J. Walker, who hosts 
one of my favorite named shows. Was it the Sports Talker with TJ Walker? Is that right? That's it. Yeah, they came up with it, and I don't think I really had a choice to say no at that point. But that's the name of the show. Yeah, Forty six. When, when you get first get started, you kind of have to take whatever they say, and so they're like, "Hey, your 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 name rhymes, so we're just going that way." But I kind of like it. Talker Walker. Uh, how's it going? I I have to say, I'm impressed. You do that show by yourself, and uh, I'm very impressed that you've been that you've done it and enjoyed it. How's it going? And well, I appreciate you saying that. It's uh, it's going well. It started. I guess I've been doing it now for over about two and a half years, which is crazy to think about. Started as just an hour from three to four. Then they moved me from four to five thirty, gave me a little bit more time, and then now we're at two hours, four to six, and. Uh, doing two hours is hard enough. I don't know how you've been able to do it for as long as you have. And then I'm mostly by myself. Trevor Kelsey works the board in the studio. Has he, he taken a shower in those entire two and a half years? Not yet, but we're trying to get him to. I, I love Trevor. He's such a character. He, uh, and I know you all have a history with one another. He says nothing but good things about you. Uh, he's great. He's a great dude. Like He goes back to when I first started. Uh, a long time ago, and he worked with me and Johnny the Freak Renshaw and all those people back when uh, there was a wet, weird sort of hodgepodge of shows. But uh, I'm glad he's still doing it. I didn't know if he did, uh, if he still did it. So I'm glad to hear that. So, well, I wanted to have you on because, you know, of course, the the Briscoe and Lee decisions just went down. And I, I'm still sort of at a loss about Marcus Lee's decision. And, and I thought you'd be a good person just to bat this around with. I think it was a huge mistake. And, and Seth Greenberg just a minute ago on the show said he understood it. I still think he's wrong. What do you think? Do you think that transferring made sense? No, I don't think it made sense at all. But I think the question that we need to be asking is, did he, could he have come back to Kentucky? What was the relationship between him and Cal after the Goodman stuff? where you had Marcus Lee specifically say, I wasn't used the way I should have been used, or I, I, I wasn't used in a way that could showcase my offensive skills. We know Calipari, and, and you probably know him as well as anybody. That probably didn't sit well with him. And it might have been a point where, hey, if Marcus Lee wants to come back, that's something that we need to talk about, or he needs to explain to me why he did that and said the quotes that he did. And then he goes to the combine and says, if I come back to Kentucky, we're not going to lose a game. Cal Perry likes confidence, but he doesn't like he probably doesn't want that attention around the team to begin with. So now, I mean, are you I suggesting, wonder, TJ Walker, that you think he couldn't come back, or are you just sort of get, trying to guess? Well, I'm trying to guess and I'm throwing that out there, but I also think that it probably was a situation where, hey, if you want to come back and play on this team, we need to talk things over and you need to realize what your role is gonna be, and I need to hear you say you're okay with that role. And maybe Marcus Lee didn't want to have that conversation, or maybe Marcus Lee did have that conversation and didn't like how it went or how it finished, because I, I, I couldn't imagine Kyle was all that happy with how things played out after the end of the season. Well, it couldn't have played out worse. I mean, first of all, they they don't want players to talk to anyone between the end of the season and, like, you know, the the combine. Like, unless unless you're fully declared, like, you know, Scal and Ulyss and those guys were. So he, he, first of all, he breaks that. Then he goes and talks to Jeff Goodman, who, I mean, Cal, Jeff Goodman is Lex Luthor to Calipari's Superman. Like, he just cannot stand him. So he goes and talks to him, 
TJ, I got the sense that that Marcus didn't know that. Like, he, like that that was something his brother sort of pushed. Is that kind of what you thought? I'm sure that's probably true, but uh, I, I do. We, you, you know, Jeff Goodman. I've spoken with him too at Kentucky events, and I guarantee at some point in that conversation, he probably said to Marcus, "Well, you know, Kyle's not going to be happy with you talking to me." I, I know. I, I can only oh, say, well, listen, I, I like Jeff fine, but there's no way Jeff was going to give up that scoop just to be nice to Mar- I mean, Marcus's brother set that up, and yeah. Jeff had to love it because Jeff gets no UK information. Like, Jeff gets nothing from UK, and here he probably got the biggest scoop of the last couple months, so he had to love it, right? Yeah, and, and well, here's, you know, the funny thing is, is it started with, and I, I don't think we can kind of understate how much Marcus Lee's brother, I think, had a hand in everything that he did from the end of the season to, like you said, the interview with Goodman, and then maybe even up to, well, not maybe, I think certainly had a, a, a factor into his decision to transfer away to What does he Kentucky, do? What does Marcus Lee's brother do? Like I, I, I don't know. I, I He's saw been him, around since the recruitment. Yeah, I saw him some at games, and I always thought he was a, he seemed like a really nice guy, but he, I didn't sort of see him as this kind of controlling figure. All right, so, so I agree with you what you said, by the way, that for Marcus to come back, he was going to have to mend some fences. But I think Cal would have been fine with that, and then he ends up deciding to transfer. I, is there any scenario where he could go somewhere else and it, and it, and it help? I mean, do you, think, do you buy this? Well, he spends a year working on his body. He'll get better. No, not not necessarily, and, and it's it's funny to hear Kansas pop up as a possible destination yeah, for him. But the only I, I think it could, he's got to go to a good program. I think for it to work out in the long run. So I think he would need to go to a place like Kansas. I know Kentucky fans wouldn't be thrilled about that, but one, he'd go to Kansas. He'd be going up against Yudoka Azabuki, who's just a huge body. He'd be going up against Carlton Bragg. Those two are probably going to be NBA players. And I'm not so sure that he's not going to try to go into the draft after sitting out a year. I think he's at least going to explore the option. <laughs> that would be and interesting. He, had, he goes and like works out at Kansas for a year and then never plays. That's kind of interesting. Exactly. But if you had Bill Self in your corner saying, hey, he's really improved. You should give him some workouts. And I think NBA teams would be willing to give him another shot. Then worst case scenario, he comes back to Kansas. And if you're Kansas, I think you'd love to have him just because – one, he's low-risk, high-reward. Either he doesn't work out, and, okay, who cares? We wasted a scholarship on a guy. Or he does work out where he averages. I couldn't see him averaging more than 12 points and maybe eight rebounds a game with two or three blocks, which would be phenomenal for him. And then you kind of have a recruiting advantage over over Calipari where you could say, hey, he couldn't really make it work, but I could. I yeah, no, you're right. Years. You're, you're exactly right. That would be a perfect scenario uh, for Kansas and all that. Do you – did, did was it you that I saw said you thought he might go to Gonzaga or, or did I read that somewhere else? I did. I, well, I, I talked to somebody who said uh, these are the list of schools that he's really considering, but I think as of now, maybe Gonzaga has a lead on the recruitment. But I've been told that he's probably not going to rush into the decision. And again, they're probably going to weigh everything, see what what would be the best option and what he wants to do. Um, I've also been told that going close to home isn't as big as a factor as you made it, as as he made it out to be, as Calipari made it out to be in the press release. So we'll see what he decides to do. I think if he had to pick a school today, it'd be Gonzaga, but he doesn't have to do that. No chance he changes his mind? And comes back? Yeah. Oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? I don't think so. Okay, yeah. I, you I mean, think I that's a possibility? No, I mean, I haven't heard that. I just – I will tell you, I, I, I talked to some people that the – 
The, here's what's interesting about the draft decision or about these decisions. I talked to some people the night before who would know, who thought that it was likely that both decisions were going to be the opposite. I think Briscoe had communicated to some folks in Lexington that he was likely to go to the draft the night before. And I think the the transfer thing had been brought up, but nobody really thought he would like like Marcus Lee decided not to go to the draft apparently like a week ago. It's just nobody knew. But the I I think he was deciding this transfer stay at UK and I think maybe right before the night before Lee sort of communicated, hey, I'm thinking about transferring, and people were like, "That's not he's not going to do that, is he? And then the next day he said, yes, I am. So I think that maybe both decisions surprised folks a little bit. Well, what I was told with Briscoe was Calipari loved the thought of him doing these workouts, doing what he needed to do, getting some NBA experience, and having other people besides him tell him what he needed yes, to work I think on. that's right. And also he thought that the workouts could hurt, could help him the next year in the draft because they could say, well, we had him here last year and he couldn't shoot worth anything. Now he's come back. Well, that shows he's got a high ceiling. He might be somebody worth taking. So Calipari was thrilled he was doing all this. Now what I heard was Cal thought all along he's coming back. He's just doing that. Oh, I did I too, but then I think he, it changed a little bit. I, I think in the, Do you about, think that got back to Calipari? Where he yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think, well, I think that they honestly, nobody knew, but then they – I have heard that Briscoe communicated to folks the day before, I'm likely staying in the draft, and then changed hmm. his mind that night. And so, Interesting. That, I mean, I'm glad he changed his mind, but I think, I think a lot of folks in Lexington went to bed the night before thinking that it might have been the flip, that, that he might have gotten Flea and, or Flea, Lee and not <laughs> gotten uh, Briscoe. If you were only going to get one back, though, do you agree that Briscoe's the guy you want? It's a no-brainer, and that's no disrespect to Marcus Lee. It's a no-brainer. Now, you, if you don't get Isaiah Briscoe back, you have a, a very talented backcourt, but you have some questions on depth and what happens with foul trouble or, God forbid, an injury. Now you have Briscoe back, depth concern taken. It's You're not worried about it, and you can make the case that that's the best backcourt in the country with those three, and you have a guy like Dominic Hawkins, who I think is poised to have a nice little senior year as a backup who will get some minutes here and there. So with Marcus Lee, your front court wouldn't have changed with or without him. You would have had some experience, which would have been nice. You would have had a good rebounder, a good chop blocker. But who's to say that Winyan Gabriel or Sasha Kalea Jones can't do those same things, but with an offensive game. So you would have definitely preferred Briscoe back over Lee. All right, before, I'm going to stop here for a second. Uh, TJ, you're a fine dresser. I've noticed that about you over over the years. You should visit. They're building one of these in Lexington, but you can right now go to bonobos.com. B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. You ever been there before, TJ? I've not, and I, I appreciate the compliment, but people, the UK media, you know how clicky they can be. They make fun of my attire all the time. So well, maybe but if to... they looked in the mirror, I mean, <laughs> stop it. I mean, like, first of all, no one dresses well at any of this. You know, Kyle Tucker wears, like, sweaters that, that I mean, you can't call them Bill Cosby sweaters anymore because the meaning of that has changed. But he wears, they, come on, none of those people dress well. TJ, you're right up there. You and Drew Franklin probably dress better than the vast majority. So don't let them say anything to you, all right? But – Go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm not too worried about it. Drew and I like to be comfortable, and 
their their words can't hurt me. But if you've got a nice place to go, maybe I'll check it out. That's exactly right. Well, bonobos.com, B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. Uh, they have all kinds of, 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 of you know, menswear. they got pants, jeans, shirts, suits, jackets, ties, belts, even golf clothes for all sizes. If you're slim, tall, athletic, whatever you want, go to bonobos.com. 20% off if you use the promo code Matt Jones. That's M-A-T-T-J-O-N-E-S. 20% off from Bonobos. They're going to have one in Lexington, and you all are going to go visit it that live in the area. So why not go ahead and look now and think about, hey, delivered to your house, men's clothing at Bonobos.com. I actually shop with it. Drew uses it all. Like Drew buys like 75% of his stuff there. So uh, you can as well. Now back to you. You're talking about the lineups next year. Tell me your starting lineup for next season. My starting lineup is uh, what I've come to figure out on our website is what I think most of the casual fans tend to agree with, and that's Fox, Monk, Briscoe, another three-guard lineup, which Calipari is now used to playing. I'm doing Derek at the four. Uh, you got to have some three-point shooting out there. And then you're playing Bam at the five and hoping that he can play big. He's obviously a very strong physical player, so I don't think that will be too big of an issue. But can Derek Willis rebound? And I've seen Fox and Monk on the circuit and in high school go after boards, but will they carry that intensity over to the next level? Rebounding is going to be the biggest concern, but I'm starting Derek Willis just because you need a surefire three-point shooter out there with three shaky guards, uh, shooting-wise. Wait, Monk's name, Monk isn't shaky, is he? I mean, he he's stre- Well, he's streaky. Yeah. He's, he, he could go – he could have a game where he will make – eight threes, and then he could go another night going one of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's the same lineup I have. As a matter of fact, I think it's almost set that that's the lineup with the possible exception that I guess Gabriel could come in and maybe beat out Willis or maybe even Briscoe with Willis at the three, depending on what Cal wanted to do. But I feel like, for the most part, that that's the five. Is Is there anyone but Gabriel you could see breaking in? Now, here's another lineup that I think could definitely happen, and, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me me, and maybe even you, but I think you could see a lineup with, that includes Gabriel and Willis, and you bring Fox off the bench and let Briscoe have the ball in his hand more. Yeah, and then you go that. Briscoe, Monk, Willis, Gabriel, and then Bam at the five. Or you, maybe you can't maybe bring De'Aaron. You think De'Aaron Fox wants to come off the bench coming out no, of high he school? He don't want to come off the bench, but do you think Calipari cares at this point? He's already got him. It's not like he can. Yeah, you know, I just don't think mid-year. I don't think Isaiah Briscoe is a good point guard yet. Now he may become one, but I mean, I just don't know if I want him running my team. Do you? I would be okay with it. I'm a bit. I think Isaiah Briscoe's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to at the end of the year. Yes, Monk and Fox will have more. Uh, their their ceilings will be higher. They're more athletic. They're going to have more potential. But I think at the end of the year, if you're looking at stats, Briscoe's going to be the best of those three guards. Really, I'm high on him. I'm really high oh, on him, and especially really? when you take into his defense, which won't show up in the stat sheet. Although Fox and Monk are also, I don't great know about. I, I don't know about the stats. I mean, I think it's going to be awful hard to beat out Malik Monk. In terms of uh, you know, in, in in terms of points, I mean, I maybe somebody will do. It. I, I mean, Bam will kill the team in rebounds, but I just have a hard time thinking. I mean, Monk can score so many ways, right? He can. He's a great scorer. He's awesome. I, I'm. I, he was so much fun to watch in AAU. I don't know if I've seen a player from the guard position dominate AAU games quite like he did. But this is you got to remember Isaiah Briscoe 
average, what was it, just under 10 points a game on a team that had maybe two of the better scoring guards in Calipari's history. You probably sure. want to throw Brandon Knight in that conversation, too. He still averaged 10 points a game on that team. And now this could be, we'll see how it all works out this summer with practices and then into the fall. This could be his team where I wouldn't be surprised if the ball was in his hands more than people are, are going to assume. I just found, by the way, this has not uh, has nothing to do with anything. I just found a picture, TJ, in my desk that I was looking in, and it's a picture of an uh, like a high school or early college Anthony Davis kissing a basketball card of himself. And I don't know why I don't know why I have this or where it came from, but it's a big picture. Someone must have given me this. I don't know. David, do you know the picture I'm talking about? I don't. I, I, I don't. It sounds like something you could give out on a remote, though, and somebody would go crazy. No, I, I want it. Forget give it out <laughs> on a remote. I mean, come on. He's a superstar. Um, all right. Now, with, moving forward, Brad Calipari, I want to ask you this. I think Brad Calipari, had Isaiah Briscoe left, was going to play. Now, probably won't, but I'm going on record as saying before he's done here, he's playing real minutes. What do you think? Well, I think a lot of people consider him as – well, he's going to be a walk-on, but like a Brian Long-type talent or even a Sam Malone, he's better than those guys. He, he can knock that. He's actually a pretty good three-point shooter. Going into this year, I would say he will be he'll be Kentucky's probably third-best three-point shooter. I think I'd probably put Hawkins over him, but he's right there with Hawkins for maybe second-best. Obviously, Derek Willis will be the best. So take that in consideration and know that he's probably going to be here as long as Calipari's here, and I know Kentucky fans hope that's going to be four years, by the time he's a junior or senior, you're going to have somebody that I think can shoot 45% from deep. He's worth putting out there. I, he, he would be a slight liability on defense. He's not going to be somebody that's going to put it on the floor. And I don't. I think he's playing him. before he was a senior, TJ. I mean, I, he may not play next year, but I think he's going to play. I mean, I had, well, some, I had somebody tell me that – He's better than Johnny David is right now, and I wouldn't have necessarily oh, thought that. But you, but no, he you, definitely is. But I mean, Johnny averaged what twenty-seven a game in high school. I mean, I, I would necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily have thought that, but that's what I was told. Well, uh, yeah, that uh, I, that surprises me a little bit too. But um, the thing about, yeah, I'm not saying he's not going to play until senior year. I'm just saying I think he's going to be a good, a really good three-point shooter at the college level. So if he needs to get a few minutes where they just put him on the perimeter and see if he can catch and shoot, then I, I could definitely see that as a possibility. I would think it'd be more his junior year, but who knows? With, with the roster turnover after the end of this year, it's going to be, if John Calipari strikes out on some recruits, it might be the Brad Calipari show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, the, 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 somebody mentioned to me, they make a good point, he won't be scared of these guys because he's been playing with these guys for years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's been playing pickup for, like, the last two or three years with U.K. players, so there won't be that shock and awe that maybe normally happens. you buy that? Yeah, there's some truth to that. Uh, he was tweeting Deron Lamb today, doing some of the old Deron Lamb quotes. So that's what he's grown up just in that gym going after school and doing shoot-around with Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Brandon Knight. And he's he's been, he's been with all those great players since he's been growing up as a basketball player. So... I bet he just wishes he was maybe a little bit taller, a little more athletic, and he could be a really good player. But well, he is a really good shooter. Isn't that what we all wish, that we're all a little bit taller and a little bit more athletic? I mean, that would – if I was a little bit taller and a little bit more athletic, I wouldn't – I could have actually, you know – well, I probably still would have been terrible, but it would have been nice. Now, you you uh, you also are big on recruiting. So, 
you this 2017 class will be the most important class for Cal. I don't know, maybe since his first one, because he's going to have. We'll probably see maybe Sasha Kalea Jones come back, maybe, maybe Winion Gabriel, but then he loses. He's going to lose Fox Monk Briscoe. He's probably going to lose. I mean, will Willis graduates? I think he'll lose Bam Hawkins Mulder. Uh, you know, he's going to lose all these guys. So he's going to have to completely redo his team. So first of all, how stacked is the 2017 class in general? Is it a strong class or is it a weak class? It's not the strongest class, but it's not the worst class either. It's in the middle. It's pretty It's pretty average. The uh, 2016 class was much better in my opinion. 2017 class is okay. Now the interesting thing is, where the 2016 class was maybe the deepest guard class I've ever, not that I've covered because I've only been doing it since 2013, but I've ever followed even as a fan well before then, 2016 was just unbelievable with guards. You had a guy in state, Quentin Gooden, who I think went to Taylor County, who was a four-star, really talented guy that I think in some years Kentucky would really take a strong look at, and they did go watch him. He ends up in a place like Xavier, not to – no disrespect to Xavier, but you'd think that a really talented guard would have his choice. But that's just how good the guard class was. Now, 2000, but it was the bigs were okay in 2016. 2017, the bigs are better and a little bit deeper, but guards, it's very slim picking. So let's say if Kentucky were to miss on Trey Young, their top target, their top guard target, I don't know what they're going to do. I have no idea what they're going to do. They're going to scramble to get somebody, but it's going to be somebody that's going to have to play 28 minutes a game. So they're really kind of going all in on him. That's interesting. Will they get him? I mean, everybody had said he was going to be a package deal with that one kid, what, Porter? Michael Michael Porter Jr. Is that going to happen? No, that, that, that package deal won't happen. Okay, so you think they get – I mean, Trey Young has seemed like a Kentucky lean for a long time. Do you think that's what happens? Yeah, and our national recruiting analyst at Rivals, Eric Bossy, he thinks that Kansas and Oklahoma are in a really good spot. But this is the thing to, to look for. At the end of this month, or maybe it'll be in the next month, the next three weeks – He's, he is deciding whether or not to go to prep school. Now, he lives in Oklahoma. If he goes to prep school, I almost want to say lock it up. He's going to. And that was what Cal wanted him to do, right? Like leave, Correct. No, leave Norman. Old, yeah. Yeah. That's that old grumpy guy wrote a column talking about how he was being manipulated by Cal and whatnot. But uh, if he stays home, I still think there's a decent chance Kentucky gets him, but it'll be much tougher. And it'll turn into one of those Malik Monk recruitments and also Malik Newman type of deal where the homeschool team's going to really, really want him. But I know he's really high in Kentucky. I talked to his dad after the Kansas game. He went on an unofficial visit there, and he said, well, you know, we were actually watching Kentucky more than Kansas that game. We were watching UK's huddle and how Calipari coached and Right after the game, on our way home, Calipari, we talked to him on the phone, and uh, talk, so it almost was like a <laughs> he took an unofficial to Kansas that I think worked out better for Kentucky in that game, and he got to see Tyler Ulis really dominate and be the point guard that I think he wanted to turn into down the road. So I think he is Kentucky's to lose, but it is a scary thought thinking what happens if they don't get him. I always would hear these guys' names, you know, I, and I, I don't really start following the guys till July, so I don't really know how good any of these people are. But the Vanderbilt kid I hear is named Jared that I hear connected a lot with Kentucky. Is that is that a guy that UK is likely to get? Well, the funny thing is, this is the year, which is I want to hear your opinion on why can't Calipari land a true three? Why is he missed on true three after true? I don't three? know. I think part of it is he he sort of 
the, the sort of normal, th- I think part of it's just coincidence. And then part of it is he likes length so much and he likes quickness and he likes these sort of athletic things that you just don't see a lot. I mean, how many six, seven really good wings exist? I mean, they exist, but there aren't a ton. So, And I think he focuses on height and point guards mostly. But that's just my take. But what do you think? I have no idea why they're. I, I would get it if he had never had a good one, but Michael Kidd Gilchrist went number two, and yeah. if not for a guy named Anthony Davis, would have been number one. So it's not like he struggled with true threes, and even Darius Miller was successful at the position. But uh, Jared Vanderbilt, he's something that I think Kentucky fans have just assumed he's a big UK lean. I haven't gotten that read, or the people I've talked to have have told me that. Now he's played in Kentucky a bunch on that. It's basically a high school, but like AAU circuit. They play on a thing called the Grind Session, and it's all these prep schools the around the area. Session. It's called the Grind Session. Pretty cool name, but um, it's <laughs> nice. pretty cheesy name. Is Eric Nees, Nees the head of it? I didn't know that there was a Grind Session. I'm glad I remember Grind Session. They, they, the they kind of morphed session. into, you know, like Mustang Madness. Yes, and, yes, all those things. And, and they, then Marshall yeah, County so, Fest, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, so he's played in a ton of events in Kentucky, and I think people just assume – because he'll always say nice things to Kentucky reporters about Kentucky after those events that, hey, he's Kentucky's to lose. And then John Rothstein, what's your relationship with John? I mean, I like John. He's cheesy as he can be, but that's part of, like, you just, everybody has that one friend that's kind of a big cheese ball and you roll your eyes at him. That's kind of how I feel about John. I think he's smart. Why, well, clearly you don't like him. No, I, I, don't, I don't dislike him. It sounds I, like you don't like just, him. I mean, admit no, it, TJ. I, I, you I don't, don't like John Rothstein. I have nothing against him. And people should um, write Rostin on Twitter and say, at, is it TJ Walker Rivals? Is that how, what it is? T Walker. T Walker Rivals. Yeah, so at T Walker Rivals doesn't like you, but go ahead. This is when I was, I remember, I was a sophomore in college, and I, I think I was writing for College Basketball Talk with Zach McCry. Yeah, big and easy, that's right. It was, it was just a few months before I would go on with Rivals, which was a dumb decision to hire a sophomore in college at that point. But John Rothstein, for some reason, wanted to follow me on Twitter. I thought it was kind of cool, but this was when he was kind of becoming a big name as well. And he was talking to me, and he said, what do your sources say about Ennis Cantor? And I said, my sources? My sources are like my classmates. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, who are your sources? Yeah. And I said, well, I don't really know. Do you know anything? And he said, well, I've got somebody at UK that's telling me it's a fact he gets cleared, and I'm willing to stake my reputation on it. Oh, wow. And I said, whoa. So I thought that was pretty cool, and I think I wrote an article about it on College Basketball Talk or whatever. And then, sure enough, he was wrong. And I just feel like John Rothstein's wrong. He is wrong a lot. I mean, he's wrong a lot. I think what happens, though, is he really wants to break stuff. There are certain people that that, like, is a big thing to them. And I don't really understand why. I mean, I guess I want to break stuff, too. But, like, in today's Internet age, like, everything gets out, you know. So... And so I think he it leads him to have certainty where certainty doesn't exist, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And then, so after he, Ennis Cantor was, said he was going to be out for the year and, and never be eligible for college sports, I, I direct messaged him and said, what happened? Then he unfollowed me, and I haven't really Ooh, heard so you like, oh, you gave a shot. Well, then well, maybe that's why. Then maybe that's why. I was just asking. I just said, did you hear something that made you change your mind? And. And just never Here's heard the back thing from about Rostin, though. Here's why you need to like Rostin. First of all, he means well. He's hosted my show once before while I was gone, and he did a good job. But he, here's here's why you need to like him. 
that sort of group of like there's this group of coaches that Cal's part of, but really Slice is the main one. I know you know Slice. Slice and yeah. Howard Garfinkel was part of. It. He's of course just passed away. But Rostin's tight with those guys, so Rostin gets decent information if you if it's one of those people in that group, and a lot of those people know a lot. So you should get Rostin on your good side. Well, I don't dislike Rostin. Sound like you saying, do. I don't, I, sound I, like I, me. I hate him. It, it bugged it did bug me a little bit when he unfollowed me because I, you know, I didn't do anything but um, I'm kidding and he seems like he is a he seems like he's really happy he seems like he, he is really very happy but did he say golf. something about Vanderbilt is that what it was well he was the one that said strong UK lean Jared Vanderbilt I'm just thinking where is this coming from because it seems like everybody thinks he's a strong UK lean but the people I talk to say well yeah I mean he likes Kentucky they like him but we'll see how it goes yeah it's not as if he's like a lock to get there I think Kentucky likes PJ Washington more the he plays out at Finley Prep in, in or in Nevada. I think it's just outside of Las Vegas. But um, I think they like him more at the three, and I think he's better at the three. Jared Vanderbilt is really talented, strong, physical, can slash and put it on the floor, but he's not a good jump shooter whatsoever. And I think Calipari is leaning more towards guys that can shoot and also put it on the floor, and that's P.J. Washington to a tee. All right, I, I have a Kentucky source who told me that they expect to get commitments early this summer from two guys, do you know who the? If you were guessing, who would those two be? Oh, that's fun. I haven't I haven't heard this from sources. I know you're more well connected than I am, but I would have thought John Petty would have been a lock. Uh, but I think Kentucky's kind of moving off him a little bit more. I think they're in a really good spot with Nick Richards, who's the big center uh, who went to the same high school that Michael Kidd Gilchrist went to. I think St. Patrick's. I would have normally guessed those two, but I'm going to throw John Petty out. I'll say Nick Richards, and then I really think they're in a good spot with Trey Young, but I don't think Trey Young's going to be in any rush. So I'll go Nick Richards, and yeah, I'll, I don't know. I'll go Trey Young. All right, if Nick, I had to pick that would two be, right now. That would be nice. All right, now I've also been told that because they lose so many players, they're going to have to dip down and get one or two guys that are three- to four-year guys, and something McCown normally doesn't like to do, but they just have to for, for to build a program here. Any guys in that level that you know Kentucky has expressed interest in at all? Yeah, well, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be three- or four-year guys, but they have sent out more offers than they normally do, and they're, a lot of them are to guards and, and shooting guards uh, that, are, that are really good three-point shooters. Lonnie Walker, I think, would be one of them to look out for. Um, I think Kentucky's pretty interested in him. And then watch out for that Hollingsworth kid in Kentucky. He's a really talented guard. I keep hearing that, that, that this is the year. And where where is he from? Is it Dunbar? Yeah, I, I think the Hollingsworth the, kid. State. Yeah, I think Hollingsworth, that kid's going to end up at Kentucky. I mean, I, well, I say that. I don't know what he's going to do. But I think UK is going to end up offering that kid. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that that will happen. But they have, more so than years past, sent out more offers Again, they're kind of putting all their eggs in the in the in the Trey Young basket for the point guard, but for the shooting guard, uh, they've looked at Hamadou Diallo up there in Queens. I think there's a good chance they could get him as well. And there are some rumblings that he could potentially reclassify to 2016. He continually denies them, so I don't think they're going to happen. But reclassifying's hard. I mean, I think you were the only one on top of the Isaac Humphreys reclassification last year. And that didn't happen until what, August? Yeah, and that so. was only because they it sort of fell in their laps a little bit. Uh, but but when they lost Swanigan and all those guys. But I didn't, I mean, you know, that was one that I only found out about the end. I think sometimes 
well, clearly they're always doing stuff that people don't know. But I think they, I, th- I think they sometimes are looking at kids way off the radar, and that happened um, with Humphreys last year. Do you think Ty Winyard will ever be good? I think he could be his junior year. Do you? I, I feel like a loser saying this. Do you follow him on Snapchat? Uh, I don't know. I actually don't think I do. Why? I, I don't follow any athletes or any recruits or anything like that, but I did follow him because uh, I was in, I think maybe Evan Daniels broke his initial commitment, but I, I broke that there was interest and a lot of other things, but I wanted to be the one that broke when he was actually going to get to Kentucky. And I don't think I did. So, but to get ahead, I was like, I'm going to follow him on Snapchat. Maybe he'll start snapping some things about it. And he looks like he is somebody that really enjoys college. Oh, dude. Like, well, yeah, he really I, has fun. I, I, I am friends with a couple of people who are friends with him. And so I follow them on Snapchat. And Ty is always in the middle of something. Like Ty, like, Ty is always dancing to music or like lip-syncing songs. So, yes, I, I'm totally with you. I, I think he certainly loves being at UK. Yeah. I think or, or were you like do, going towards you... the girl angle? Well, no, I, I was going just towards everything. Okay, just the right, college. He, I think he's more of a college student than any el- anybody else on the basketball. I think team. that's There's true. So people there I think that's true. Are like that are robotic. Like go to the gym, go to class, go to bed. But he's like, all right, yeah, I'll go to party. Sure, I'll hang yeah. out. So, I, I think you're exactly. I think that's a really good read. I think you're exactly. Uh, you're exactly right about that. All right, real quick before we let you go, give me one like break one piece of news here. Okay, so so give me one piece of either news or like something to watch for. Give me something that TJ Walker, the sports talker, can say. We heard it first when he said it on the Matt Jones podcast. Do you have something like that? You should have got me prepared for this, putting me on the spot. Well, there's got to be something. I mean, I see you on, you know, you write on Cats Illustrated, on House of Blue, you're always throwing in little tidbit. Give me a tidbit, maybe that would be in tomorrow's update or Monday's update. Like, what? Give me, you got something, right? Well, this isn't something. I'll tell you what, let me do this. I got to do one more ad. You think about getting a good one during this ad, okay? Okay, I'll do that. All right, vistaprint.com. 500 business cards, $9.99. We've told you about it so much. If you don't have business cards now, I don't know what to tell you. I've been doing this so long, you have to have them. But if you don't, how about you buy them now and help out this podcast? This podcast needs your help. Well, it doesn't need it, but we'd like to have it. 500 business cards, $9.99. You can design them, the front, the back. You can upgrade and have like raised font and thicker stock and all that. Go to vistaprint.com. The promo code for this podcast is Matt. If you enjoy the podcast, help out the, the businesses. Matt. 500 business cards, $9.99, invitation, stationery, whatever you want, at vistaprint.com, promo code MATT. All right, now you got to have something, TJ. What do you got? Well, this and I, I've got something. It's not going to be as good as you were probably hoping it to be. But I will say that when Derek Thornton transferred from Duke, there was a mutual interest between Kentucky and Thornton, and they wanted to keep it under the radar. And I think they've both moved on. But now that Kentucky has open scholarships and knowing how thin the 2017 guard class is, I'm wondering if Kentucky maybe will reach out to him again. But that was one of that was one of Thornton's and, and people close to him. That was one of their first calls is to see if he could maybe go back in time. And you know, that's interesting get, because that would be like what you said with Kansas and Lee, like with Duke, right? I'm surprised. I honestly am surprised Cal Perry hasn't gotten him. Because when I saw he was transferring, I thought, Cal's going to go get him for that very reason. Turn him into a star and say, see, couldn't happen at Duke, happens here. So you're saying you th- that that was in the talks? Oh, I know they talked as soon as the transfer happened. And I think 
I think what Kentucky said was, hey, we, you know, we loved you back in high school. We wish you wouldn't have reclassified. Um, and we'd love to have you, but we don't think scholarships are going to work out. We're going after one big, and we're even thin on scholarships then. If something happens, then maybe we'll get back in talks. Well, something happened. So they got, got one now. Yeah. They do. And with a th- really thin guard class. Now, the only thing is, would that scare away Trey Young? Maybe, maybe not. I'm always conservative in saying you can get you get the talent that you can get and get them on board, and you still try to bring other guys in. But having a Derek Thornton for the 2017-2018 year, virtually be a junior one year under Cal system. I know a lot of people are saying that's the same thing with Ryan Harrow. Derek Thornton's a, a better player than he is. I would say do it if you can, but I wouldn't be too surprised if you heard some rumblings about that. Look at that. See, that is a little scoop. A little, I mean, they, there you go. You didn't think that was big. That's that's not bad. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe they'll touch base with him and Derek Thornton will say, yeah, it's too late. We've already kind of keyed in on these schools. Sorry. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky wanted to see if he was still interested. All right, well, good. Well, Listen, I don't want to detain you from getting on Ty Winyard's Snapchat uh, anymore. So I want, I, I, but I very much appreciate you taking the time. You're on, is it fourteen fifty a.m. in Louisville? Yep, fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty a.m. in Louisville, four to six. T.J. Walker, the sports talker, and Cats Illustrated. You can uh, follow him there on the, the House of Blue. Um, T.J. And, and T. Walker rivals on Twitter. Did I forget anything else? You you have your finger in. Do you want my social, or is that enough? <laughs> no, it's plenty. I mean, I don't want your cell phone and all that. TJ, <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Send lawyers, guns, and money.